A written transcript of this episode is provided by Starburst. For more information, you can see the show notes. Welcome to Data Mesh Radio with your host, Scott Herleman, sponsored by Starburst. Starburst is a single platform to help you activate all your data, no matter where it lives. Check out our new Data Products for Dummies ebook to learn more about how your organization can utilize data products. To download your free copy, head on over to starburst.io. Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by my company, Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. This is going to be a panel because while I clearly am not shy about talking, I want to give others in the community a voice too. It definitely shouldn't only come from me. We should be hearing from many different people doing this. If you want to participate in a panel, please do get in touch. You can go to datameshunderstanding.com to see some of the other free community-friendly programs and the other learning resources we have. And you can check out our actually quite reasonably priced offerings. So let's hear some fun music and then jump into a quickish summary of what you'll hear about in this panel. panel, Product Discovery and Data Discoverability in a Data Mesh World. Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in this episode? Guest host, Ejem Bayek, who is the lead business analyst and data product consultant at ThoughtWorks, facilitated a discussion with Martha Debska-Barsinska, who's an enterprise architect at Roche, Franny Helfrush, who's a data and technical product manager at RBC Global Asset Management, as well as guest of episode 230, and Ole Olesen-Bagnu, who's a chief evangelist at Zenea, as well as the author of the Enterprise Data Catalog book and guest of episode 82. As per usual, all guests were only reflecting their own views. Topic for this panel was product discovery in a distributed environment, especially data mesh, as well as making data discoverable. And product discovery and data discoverability are two very different things, right? There are almost kind of two panels taking place around that word discovery, discoverability. And, you know, this can be very complex grouping of topics as there is, you know, the discoverability side of making data itself discoverable at the data product level. There is making data broadly discoverable at the mesh level and understanding where data can be interoperated and things like that. And then, of course, there is the more complex topic of product discovery or finding what data you should include in your data products and what data products you should create. And we bring that more from product management. So yay for complex topics without simple answers. And as per usual in these bottom line up fronts on panels, I share my takeaways rather than trying to reflect the nuance of the panelists' views individually. My top eight takeaways, there are more in the show notes. Number one, Product discovery around data products means new ways of working in data for the more for the majority of organizations. Clearly, requirements dumping from potential consumers doesn't work. But even understanding that, it will be harder than most expect to create good conversations that lead to finding what data we should create and how we should shape it. 
Number two, it is on data product producers to find out what data products they should create. There is simply a big gap between producing data and creating value, right? Data doesn't inherently create value. There needs to be a strong product mindset and mentality on those product teams to drive towards creating valuable data products. Data products aren't the point. The value they create is the point. Number three, relatedly, data consumers must lean into conversations to share what they want to accomplish, not simply what data they want. In making good B2B software products, we need strong partnership between producers and consumers. Why would data be any different? Number four, we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Digital product discovery is already a well-understood practice. There are strong approaches we can take, augment slightly to data, and then reuse those. Data isn't that different, and product discovery in data doesn't need to be that different either. Take what we know and find out what doesn't work well and augment only those pieces when it comes to data. Data people, you know, personal note here, Scott saying this, data people, please, please stop reinventing wheels when we don't need to. Number five, as with anything product related, we must move past the project mindset. This is especially true when it comes to data product discovery. Producers must build lasting relationships where they continue to exchange information with consumers beyond the initial deploy of the data product. If not, producers will not evolve their products and continue to deliver value. Their data will stagnate and the value delivered will fall. And that's kind of the death knell for a, a product. Number six, when it comes to data discoverability, there's a question of does that live at the architecture or the data product level? The answer is probably yes to both, right? You need to make the data within the data products discoverable but you also must make a greater mesh where data can be easily discovered, no matter what data product contains that data. A hard task to accomplish, to be sure. Number seven, discoverability isn't the same thing as findability. You know, maybe discovery or discoverability, it, it's not the best term because it's about being able to be found, understood, and used. We aren't getting, we are getting better at, at you know, the found part at being able to find the data, but there is still a significant gap when it comes to inherently understandable and, you know, documenting and, and structuring data to make it easy to leverage as is. And there aren't many great solutions out there for doing this just yet, right? You're not the only one struggling there. Then finally, of my top eight, the we need to stop expecting kind of the machines to take care of every aspect of data for us. There is still a heavy need for human in the loop, as well as communi continuous communication instead of kind of one-off requests when it comes to doing data work that's going to drive value. This is crucial for data product discovery, as well as data discoverability. Yes, automate what makes sense. When you try to automate out the humans entirely, you automate out much of the value. Okay, with that summary of my top takeaways, and you can see the show notes for more takeaways if you'd like, but let's go ahead and actually hear from our awesome panelists themselves.
Hello, everyone. Welcome to Data Mesh Radio podcast. Uh, today, we will have a panel and talk about data product discoveries. My name is Ajam Week, and I am a lead business analyst and data product consultant at ThoughtWorks. Uh, over the last years, as part of working with Data Mesh, I have been helping data producers as well as the consumers shape their data products based on consumer needs enabling them to discover data products they need for their use cases and decision-making. So I am really excited to talk about this topic, and I am also very lucky to be here with my co-panelists, uh, Freni, Marta, and Ule. Uh, I have been looking forward to this discussion, so let's break the ice with some introductions. Uh, I see Ule as the first one on my screen, so you want to go first? Yes, thank you, Ajem. Uh, my name is Ole, uh, Olesen Benjeu. I am the chief evangelist in Senil, a data catalog company uh, based out of uh, Paris, France. Uh, I'm also the author of uh, a book called The Enterprise Data Catalog, published by O'Reilly uh, recently. It's a tech agnostic book. Um, I have a background in library information science. Uh, I did the whole shebang, BA, MA, and PhD in, in that field, taught at the University of Copenhagen for quite a couple of years and have worked in regulated industries uh, in pharma and life science, mainly uh, in, uh, in and around Copenhagen, Denmark, where I'm based. Amazing. Glad to have you here. And Freni, would you like to go next? Hi, thank you so much. Um, so my name is Franny Helferish. I am Data and Technical Product Manager at RBC Global Asset Management. Um, I started my career as a software developer, then I moved to uh, products world um, for a long time now. And uh, then because I have already worked with data, both as a developer and as a product manager, just to make data-driven decision, um, I joined um, the data team as a bridge between data and product um, to do both um, data product management and also um, platform and self, especially like self-sum analytics uh, product management uh, in RPC. Amazing. Thank you so much. And Marta? Hi, I'm Marta. I work as enterprise architect for Roche. Um, and what can I say? So I love data mesh, especially because of the fact that it grew, the data mesh concept grew together with me. So it's the very first concept when I was there from the very beginning, from the day one, and we started to get to know better what's data mesh in the company, how to implement it, how to move from the theory into the reality. So happy to be there with you, happy to discuss, happy to hear new perspectives and learn as always so things i can just plus one to that so i'm really happy to have you here and i cannot wait to hear from all of you in this discussion so thank you for the introductions um, today we will talk about something i'm very passionate about discovery of data products and i love this topic because um, it helps us it allows us to put product thinking principles directly into action um, I see it like a puzzle where we can empathize uh, with consumers as well as with producers. So, for example, if you're a producer, you are trying to shape uh, your data product in a way that fits uh, to others' needs. And um, if you're a consumer, you are navigating almost the best landscape um, to find what you are looking for, uh, fulfilling your needs. 
And uh, whether we are the ones um, creating the data products or um, searching for the right fit, we are all on a mission to um, discover the data products serving our needs. And today we have the opportunity to learn from my co-panelists who have navigated these waters. And now we have set the stage. Uh, it's, I guess, time to dive right in. So over the past years, over the last years from my interactions uh, with data producers as well as consumers, I noticed that people often struggle when it comes to data product discovery. So one big challenge is figuring out how to shape the data product so that it actually fits uh, to the specific job uh, or um, then being enabled to find and use the data product they need is another tricky part. So these highlights how complex it, how complex it can get when dealing with data product discovery. And when data drives a lot of decisions today, um, solving these problems is super important for all of us. So my first question is about, could you help us understand how to navigate this process effectively? Specifically, how do you identify the right data products, shape them right to make the data products more discoverable for the consumer? And how do you decide what is necessary and what is not in this process? And maybe um, because you are in the product management for any, I can uh, direct this first question to you. How do you uh, go uh, when you start a product discovery for your products? So how I see it, it's not that different from digital product discovery at all. Um, so the first step is you need to understand your customers or consumers, um, has the empathy, you listen to them, um, try to understand their needs, their problems, have the visual mapping, develop the concept, build, test, and validate. So it's exact similar than um, what you do with digital uh, product discovery, um, the one that you do with the data. Um, what... Um, I do is, uh, so one of the pitfalls that we usually have is that we already have lots of data requests in the back. Um, so it's a little bit reactive rather than proactive sometimes for us, but it doesn't mean that we don't do the discovery properly because uh, first and foremost, the product discovery includes developing the profound understanding of the customer. So what we do is that we um, approach those data requests from the beginning, go to the customer and start talking to them um, about, okay, why do you need this? What are you doing with the output? How is this helping your needs? What is the value that, that this brings to you? And then shape them in a way that it's reusable, of course, because um, the data requests are so specific usually and specific to only one use case and one team. And what we usually need to do is to expand it um, and make it a little bit more reusable. Um, I can stop right here because I can go on forever and then hear um, everyone else's um, idea about this. And then uh, we can just dig in a little bit later. Frani, Aishim, if, if you're okay, I have a follow-up question to Frani. Right, because you sounded like it's it's a really easy process. It's the same what we did so far in the past, and we just continue how we did it. Do you see that the re the difference? Okay, we say that it's it's the product that you said that it's a, like a digital product, but do you see anything specific to data products? That's the first. But actually, I had uh, 
different follow-up question at the very beginning when I started, so apologies, maybe the second, is that uh, do you see that is, is it the process for discoverability? Is it something what you can repeat over and over in the company or is it more a really use case base? Um, so to, to the first part of your question, um, if you look at it from the product lens and only product lens, it's not that difficult. And uh, the, the difficult part is that you onboard everyone else with and that. So um, by, by what I mean is that it's like any other product discovery that when someone comes to you with a problem, they usually come to you with a solution and not. A so you have to dig in and instead of giving that solution to them, go a couple of steps back and try to understand, okay, why you need this and uh, what is exactly uh, the need behind your request, what is exactly the problem. So it's exactly the same as it. I actually physically sat in one of our team members or one of our consumers' desk to see what are they, what, what do they do day, in day-to-day -day basis, how they get the data, how they create a report out of it, who are the end users of those reports, um, what are their um, like hierarchy level, are they like a C-level management, are they like um, like bank clients. And so exactly sitting with them, like physically sitting with them and see how they use the data. So I actually did that exact same way that you do with the product discovery. So there are a couple of things that is very, very, um, and with the financial data, I think it's a little bit more important, very, very different than the product, which is time concern and time sensitivity and access control. These are not that common in the digital. Um, but in data, um, and, and, and I'm talking about a financial data, time sensitivity is very important. You need that data right now. You need that data by end of each month. You need that data exactly five days after each month, uh, month is started because that's when it's a stage, that when it's, you know, the account is closed. That's, way, that's when um, people can, for example, look into that investment data, right? Um, so those um, are different. Um, discrepancy, I see a lot, like during our data um, um, discovery, um, I do see that there are two different themes using two different data sources and there are data discrepancies. So now our job is to create a data product as a golden source for both things. So it solves that, um, you know, different data that they have. So we need to dig in which one is correct, which one is not, why there is a discrepancy and so on. There are technical restraints. So um, if we want to do some transformation of a couple of data requests that we have, it breaks the whole pipeline. Um, so we need to start from scratch, create a data product that it doesn't break anything and then at the same time serves the need and at the same time is reusable. Um, so sometimes there is so limited data that we need to deliver something that we package more together than it's supposed to be. So it's good and bad because sometimes it like it's scalable and reusable, but then um, the users are complaining about why I do see lots of columns, why there are so much null in my data, because we package a lot together um, to just be as quickly as possible. So there are a couple of those restraints um, and and um, things that we see, but if you try to look at it from the product lens, it's not as hard as 
you just get a data request and then run. I'm really glad that you mentioned this sitting with the customer and then understanding their pain points, Franny, because I think this is exactly what also um, data as a product principle was um, trying to say to us, like what data mesh is actually trying to address and um, to bring closer the producer and the consumer in this sense so that we can really package only the things into the product, uh, what, it, what needs to be in that product. So I totally agree with that. And um, I would like to um, build on top of it. So how can we actually foster this collaboration? Because you also mentioned um, this request culture, like data is being requested. And um, there are, of course, some ways uh, also to um, make it like a collaborative effort. Are there any um, tips that you can give on for this? Yeah, well, I... I... Uh, now I even don't know if it's really a, an answer to your question, but I was just listening to you um, explaining, Franny, and I, I, um, I think it resonates very well with uh, like the, the 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 main message of uh, of my thinking and and writing, um, both in my in my book, but also just in my newsletter and and all the uh, things I, I put out. Uh, that <clears throat> there's this dependency between data, in, in this case, data product discoverability and uh, information architecture, data architecture. So the way, you, the way you structure, the way you organize your data product really defines how you can search it again. And that's like the core message of, of, of my book and my, my thinking, that the way we organize stuff really defines how we can search it. And so it was funny to, to, for me to hear about this uh, this uh, not necessarily complaint, but confusion about data products being too big, containing too much stuff that you explained, Franny, as far as I heard, uh, in the sense that that's exactly an element of of, of having organized a, a data product uh, in, a, in, in not an ideal way, but in a way that perhaps was most practical or necessary for, for, for other reasons. Why? So, so it's just uh, confirming very simple rule that that um, that data products should be organized so that they are uh, searchable, discoverable, if you want, in the most uh, in the in the most meaningful way, right? And to expand on that idea, Ole, um, how, what do you think? Like, how can a data a good data catalog, well structured data catalog, can help us to also discover the data products there? Yeah, I obviously uh, am, am quite opinionated about that, right? Um, I think uh, there are many things at play. The technology plays a part, uh, and I can definitely mention my own technological stand um, just to get that uh, out in the open. I am a firm believer in, um, in knowledge graph technologies uh, for data catalogs, I, I do believe that just like search engines for the web, we should have very, very strong uh, search uh, capabilities in a data catalog. And that really comes with a knowledge graph uh, technology. Uh, then second, uh, there's something uh, next to technology. Uh, of course, it also takes uh, the right kind of understanding. So I think uh, both domain architecture and how you organize data products within these domain architectures are very, very important in order for them to be discoverable. And it's really 
it's really just echoing uh, what what have been said so far by by Franny. But I think um, I think it's 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 a surprisingly lacking skill in many organizations to be able to correctly depict uh, domains and uh, uh, or not correctly but efficiently depict domains because there's not one way to do that. But there are some ground rules that you should really respect. Uh, so data architecture needs to be stable. For example, it it really needs to be stable. If it if it bounces around all the time, you will not have a stable structure. So you will not be able to search it, and you will not be able to refine the technology and the practices around that domain uh, architecture. And the same goes for data products, right? If you have a data product architecture that changes all the time from product to product as as time evolves, then it will be very very difficult to discover them. So. So these things are, are quite necessary, and I see them. It's 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 a big surprise for me to see it lacking again and again. For me, it's very basic, but I guess that's depending on what kind of studies you made or where you've been in, in your work life. Marta, what's your experience in? No apologies. Yeah, no, I I was going to follow up, and actually that was very interesting what you said because you highlighted that the known fact, but usually it's we know, but it doesn't mean that we implement it. So you said that how we organize the data, uh, how well we organize, um, the more the, well, the, the better organized with data, there is a more, oper- more possibility that it would be better findable. And then you also mentioned that if we have not a stable architecture, um, it's obvious that the findability would also be in a worse shape right, in a worse um, quality. So actually, it's maybe it's not a question about uh, what to do to, to architect, to do the architecture for discoverability, what to do to improve discoverability, but more what to do to prepare our data products, the, the everything around data products in a better way. And then, you know, continuously, if we be better and better, we have better discoverability as a capability at the end. Would that resonate to what you said? It's more about preparation. I definitely think so. I mean, um, the, it's really like in, 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 you can really compare it to the, class, like the classical dilemma of the data provider and the data consumer here. If we let the, of course, searching for, for data and data products is, is not a, it's not a pipeline thing. It's not. There's no ETL involved, of course, but but it's a little bit the same hassle that goes on if we push the discoverability uh, responsibility, data product responsibility to to the person that is searching for data. We've already lost, and it's lost. It's it's the it's the it's the data producers that are. Uh, really responsible for creating a good metadata architecture uh, on top of or inside the data product. However, whatever your religion is, right? <laughs> uh, in, in terms of how you build data products, but it's it's on the responsibility of the data provider to to actually build a good metadata architecture, and everyone know, needs to know that metadata architecture. That's really the basics. If 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 we don't have shared Domain understandings in a company. If we don't have shared capillaries 
not talking about master data here. I'm just talking about synchronized metadata. And if that is not done, then <clears throat> then it takes a very, very uh, dedicated person to be able to discover data product. I mean, that can be done. I was part of organizations where we had to do a data product discoverable, but uh, just information seeking in general. And that takes idiosyncratic knowledge, right? People that have been uh, hanging around in companies for several decades that knew everyone and knew the, pro the, the problems, the projects, the systems, the storage solutions. Like if, if you have that kind of person, then you can do it without any formalized metadata architecture, but, but that puts you in a very, very weak spot, right? Yeah, you, you touched the very... Also, another important topic about responsibility of data product owner. Um, and this is the product thinking, right? So if you are owner of a data product, you should treat it as a product and you care about your stakeholders, how they are going to find your product, buy your product, and so on and so forth. So I guess maybe it's also the lack of motivation for people um, to make a product which will be later used or Again, used again, reuse. Maybe that another topic interesting to discuss where people care that somebody will find their data product or not at all at the end. Oh, yeah. So I always say that this is part of the user experience. So in like digital product with the user interface, the user experience is so clear. You go to the UI, you need to follow and you need to intuitively find what you need. In terms of data products, it's so hard to define the user experience. I know um, the Data Mesh Radio has lots of episodes about user experience, but this is one of my core beliefs that data cataloging is absolutely part of the user experience. If you don't have it, your user experience is broken because how else people can go about and find the data that they need, um, know that this is the right data, find the access, how they can have access to it, find the owner, who are the owners, who are the providers. If I have any question, who I go to, right? So all of those things are like everything related to technical and business metadata is part of the user experience. Without that, it's so much lacking. And right, like the other like uh, digital products that a product manager is a bridge between tech and business and UX, this is the same thing. So the, the data product management is the bridge between Everything related to user experience, including data fluency, access, metadata, cataloging, and then, uh, of course, talking to the business and the stakeholders and consumers, and then tech is, is, a, is a different story. But absolutely, I, I just um, totally agree with that. Um, data discoverability is a huge part of it, although it's always get confused with product discoverability. Product discoverability is different. Uh, like data product discovery is how to empower business to integrate uh, with the decision made throughout the product development. And this data discovery is how later when it's done, how you find it, how you use it, how you get it. And building on top of it. So actually, it's not enough just to um, make it discoverable. So we need to also collaborate with the consumer to understand how they would search for it so that they can discover also the data product themselves. 
without requesting it. So uh, it makes also the details that we collect and publish about the data product very important, I would assume, to also keep the quality of the data catalog in this case uh, very important. So what would you say over time, how can we ensure actually that um, this uh, would um, still be used um, in a good way so that it's, uh, it can be so that uh, our data color can stay useful in the sense when the time progresses. Because I can uh, imagine that um, a data catalog or a data marketplace would expand as our data um, products are, and uh, the number of data products are increasing. So how can we make sure uh, that is um, ensured also with our data catalog? Well, uh, maybe I can... Yeah, of course, I'm, I'm I'm more than happy to provide my um, my perspective on this. I I think um, there are several um, details that uh, you would have to address um, in order to to answer that uh, question correctly. First of all, I think um, the freshness of the data product itself is, of course, something that you would have to think about both at the data level and also at the at the metadata level, right? Again, depending on on your actual data mesh architecture, do you have that mirror of your mesh in a data catalog, or do you simply have a a self-explanatory mesh, which, as I, as, as I see it, is, is more of a theoretical exercise, right? Um, so the freshness is one thing, and, and then definitely, as I see it, the stability of your metadata architecture over time is something that ensures relevance uh, over time, meaning that that's exactly the point that I was making before. That if you don't if you do not have a stable metadata architecture, it will get increasingly confusing to try to navigate that that um, data catalog. It, it will it will change too much, and you won't be able to 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 find things that you were able to find last time you you searched inside um, uh, the catalog, and, and that will really make it very difficult for users to to gain trust and, and come back. So so I think these things are are very, very necessary. Freshness and and stability. But a stability that also allows flexibility in the sense that the the catalog and the amount of data products in, in mirrored in it must be able to grow organically with no friction uh, while gaining while remaining um, recognizable over time, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and any met success metrics for specifically, for example, data products, like are they being used at all? Um, is the definition as a press? Marta, have you, are you using such uh, success metrics for the data and uh, marketplace that uh, you have been working with? Yes. Mm. Yes. So the answer is yes, we, we are still struggling with with finding the right approach to to really make sure that all of the data products will be findable uh, and discoverable we we split these two characteristics of data product we have a definition for each of them what does it mean for us to discover what does it mean to uh, for us to find a data product uh, but I also want to highlight that it's quite important to have this as as Oli you said the stable architecture for the whole company the same stable architecture. So no, it's not only about per, the, per domain, but also across the company, agreed 
metadata model for data product, agreed like fitness functions, for example, what we did. So across the company, whatever business domain is sharing the data product, we know that we can trust in data product. So we have the same metrics, we have the same um, SLO, SLI, and we believe that they are built in the same way. So then we can really trust, we can compare data products and we can decide whether we would like to use that or not. Otherwise, it's always like searching and then trying to understand what the author meant by that and so on and so forth. So what at least what we try to achieve is to have this common approach across the company. Obviously, across the company doesn't always mean for everyone, but for the majority uh, to have the same uh, user journey, to have the same process. Um, yeah, that's maybe I don't know, Oli, uh, Franny, if, if you have the same challenges at the company to to have same processes and same terminology across, is it possible to, to do that? Yeah, so um, in my experience, um, we do have like the stable metadata and um, it's just, um, we do have a data domain definition very well. Um, I can say, and, and, and it's working very well, my personal challenge is the right technology. Now we do have everything. Now we do have the metadata, the architecture is there. Um, the, the domain owners are eager to provide any type of data description, the access everything. But what is the technology that we use to represent that to the users? So what is the technology that is best offers the searchability? Um, this is at this point, my challenge, which uh, which has probably nothing to do with um, the discoverability, but um, is finding the right technology to put everything into, and then then the user has the best experience to get what they need and to find what they need. Um, in terms of measuring value, and now this is really because it has something to do with the data. Now it has some, it has something to do with building how you want to measure. Okay, you know. This, this is the value you want to bring and get from that data product. And um, this is uh, the potential result you want to get from it. But how do you measure it? You have to build some ways to measure um, the financial impact, the value to organization, the usage, the um, response time. So because it, it has something to do with something that has no user interface because there are lots of analytics software out there that measure your uh, usage, for example, from the user interface. But when it comes to the data product, there are not such software. So it all comes back to the right technology. So if you find the right technology to get all of this information that you need, then you're a step ahead from the others. So you're talking about the right platform, the data mesh platform, the data mesh experience plane, developer plane, this part of the foundation that you can then you can build on top of them your data products and only with that they can be really successful, right? How do you implement the federated governance without this combination large oh, yeah. art? Oli, sorry. No, well I was just going to well uh, I was just going to say that um I, I, of course, won't mention any names here, but 
being with a tech vendor, I I I really want to emphasize that uh, we we all know it, I guess, in this panel. But for but for some of the listeners, if they haven't caught that detail yet, data mesh is really not a technology. So so any data catalog vendor saying they deliver a data mesh uh, to to your company, don't trust them. Um, I won't mention any names, of course, but I think there is this. Um, <clears throat> quite deceiving um, tendency for some vendors to say that, okay, we've built a mesh-like experience in our technology. Uh, that's not how it, it plays uh, out uh, in any way. What technologies can do is that they can support certain elements of a data mesh. Um, and in the case of a data catalog, I see the primary, primary role that it should play to be a as, as succinctly a mirror of the mesh as possible and nothing more than that cannot it cannot embody uh, the mesh itself i mean it's not it's not a data mesh so so that's quite important for me to to stress uh, but but that said i think that there are technologies that works better than others in in order to deliver on that capability right um I really do think that uh, companies too should take into consideration that a data mesh is something that potentially, that's the idea of it, can scale enormously, right? Uh, that's the entire idea of the mesh, that it should be able to scale infinitely. If, if, you, if you rely on, uh, I dare say, uh, legacy technologies for retrieval of, of data, then... You're, you should really consider the analogy of looking for a needle in a haystack when you search. There will be no efficient ranking systems, mechanisms uh, at play in the technology that you have, and that and and that will make your data products suffer from poor discoverability. That that is simply a technological fact. But um, that aside, I I don't think you should consider a, a, a technology vendor. Uh, a data mesh the delivery uh, capability. And it would never be one technology vendor, right? No. Mm. Uh, even to, to cover all of the capabilities of data products, probably you, you need multiple. Then I guess you need kind of an in-house platform, whatever it plat this platform it is, maybe multiple platforms. But as you said, you cannot rely on one. Uh, on the other hand, you have to choose this, which you can easily connect with others, build the connections, build in interactions, build all the APIs and so on and so forth. So you have to be also smart what you choose for the future. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think I think personally, you should consider. Um, I mean, personally. Let's let's not talk about data catalogs all the time. Uh, I think uh, it's quite necessary to consider if your company in a state where you can build what I consider uh, a very purist uh, theoretical version of many existing companies simply have an amount of legacy IT uh, that makes it impossible to 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 build a uh, a data mesh that is close to the vision that that Jean-Marc uh, phrased. 
And in that case, you you need to have a more pragmatic approach, uh, working with the scalability of your technologies um, and accepting the fact that you have on-premise technologies and you have big, big, old big data lakes and data warehouses that will not go away tomorrow. So we talked about um, choosing the right architecture, stable architecture. We talked about the data catalogs, but what other common pitfalls do you um, observe in your uh, experience when people are um, doing the data product discoveries? Frenny, maybe I can point out to you this. Question. Yeah, so um, the continuous data discovery or data product discovery is something that people are missing. They go usually one time or twice to the consumer and then continue build on what they got and not continuing having the connection with the consumer, which makes it maybe the first time they got it right and when they expand it and then they just um, try to scale it and they don't check constantly with the customer or the consumer then then they they will lose the connection they will lose the empathy they'll lose the um like momentum of including the consumer all the time which which is one of the things that people usually miss very very easily so con continuously having the discovery session having um office hours like continuously meeting uh, every month every two months every two weeks it depends on um, the frequency that it's needed. Um, getting the feedback is like it's one of the very, very important things. And try to, uh, because some of the um, users and some of the consumers are new to product concept. So it's um, one of the most important things to try to make them understand that it's an iteration you probably don't get it right the first time. Uh, and it's okay if you don't get it right the first time. You need to be a little bit patient. Sometimes it's data sensitivity high um, and they really need it right away, but that's okay. So I build you something, but it may change, like be cognizant of this, that it may change in the future. The output may change. It may uh, be reusable more for more teams than only your use case. So if you see extra columns, that's okay because other people are using that too. Um, so and then get to the understanding of okay, I deliver that to you. So what happens after you view the result? Um, do you trust the result? Do you need to run some verification or data quality? Uh, check because uh, we haven't set up, for example, the data integrity check. Um, do you do an additional transformation to that? If so, is it time consuming or not? Um, and if the result change based on the behavior, like for example, providing some investment guidance or something like this, um, and then get those all of those feedback incorporated, and then and then do the, the iteration and do the validation. So it's important for both sides, for both the users and um, the, like the product team, like the developers, the product owners, even the management, to understand that it's it's a it's a repeatable process. Even the discovery, it's not one time or twice thing. It's you have to continuously do that. Otherwise, you just you just miss miss the mark. 
I couldn't agree more with what you mentioned. Like it's continuous discovery and actually like setting up the feedback loop so that we can evolve our data product is the most important, uh, I would say, as part of the data product discovery process because we are trying to understand like how it's going to be used or there is one person using this data or a data product or making a decision with uh, that. Is it helping them or is it serving their needs or for specific use cases? And we need to understand that and get this feedback uh, from them. So are there any um, ways or like suggestions that you would share um, with the uh, listeners so that you can uh, foster this collaboration between consumers? What do you think that um, consumers owe to the product teams, data product teams or producers in uh, this process? Um, so they owe us to explain the need. Um, sometimes, like I said, they come with a solution. So they need to understand that we have to ask lots of follow-up questions to understand the, the underlying need. And maybe the solution that they are offering is the solution at the end. But we need to understand that this is the, like, the solution. So maybe there are something else that works for them as well. They need to understand the iteration. They need to understand the concept of the data product. Um, they need to understand it should be reusable um, and not super specific uh, for their use case. Um, and um, to build that relationship, it's a little bit of a change of a mindset for some. Um, so it's not working the first time for sure. It takes time and it takes patience um, to just um, repeating everything when maybe you just repeated the first time and and then have the connection all the time. I usually set up the recurrence meeting every month or every week or every two weeks. Um, and it's okay if there are meetings that there are not so, so much to talk about, but you need to connect with them all the time. So um, keeping the loops stable. Yeah, they really need to understand this and this and also from our side, it's managing the expectations. So it doesn't mean that if I talk to you about your needs, that it means that I deliver that tomorrow. So they need to understand that it's just a continuous discovery of their needs and their problem, but not necessarily delivering it. And delivery takes time and you're not the only team and you're not the only use case and so on. Um, so maybe I can just gather all the use case, package them together, have one data party that works for everyone. Perfect. But if not, then you have to wait. There are huge backlog and so on. So all of those concepts that are always like repeating um, seems um, easy, but there are teams and there are um, users that are far away from it. So explaining it all the time, like we're repeating that. Amazing point. I totally agree. Like these uh, feedback loops are the, is the most important input for us so that we can evolve uh, our data product as well during the evolution. So um, I see the role of the consumer here is like the um, they need to describe what uh, they would like to order from us, like what kind of a data um, decision are they going to make so that we can understand the nature of the data product and um, what should we put into this data product based on their um, requirements uh, that they share with us. 
And um, what I also think about um, this collaboration is it's uh, it never stops, as you said. Like um, it's not just one-time discovery that we gather the requirements and then we start delivering. And uh, we need to have it uh, as as a frequent cycle of uh, feedback collection. So, anyone wants to add something on uh, this? How is your experiences? I'm happy happy to comment on that. I think that I, I see it from a little bit different perspective this this collaboration be between consumer and producer at least how i understand it we should have like the consumer of our data product should be a part of a data product team right so we join producers and consumers actually together but obviously there are consumers outside of our network outside of our domain who will be using this data product as well but that was not the main point why we built this data product and for those consumers uh, who we can just predict at the very beginning, or we may have heard about some needs, but we didn't build it for them, uh, then I would say that what they owe for, um, for the producers is the value, the, the definition or the explanation, what value they generated thanks to our data product. So let's have a look at the source, consumer-oriented data product, different types of data products. We build a source-oriented data product, let's say, for us, for our consumers, and then somebody else used our source-oriented data product. So me, as data product owner, I would like to have the information back, what kind of value you generated, and so that I can add this value to my overarching total value that I produced, that I generated because of the fact that I built this data product. And this is also what I see, I think is still missing uh, with the data product concept to really monetize the value of data products and sharing this value back to, to the producers, whoever the producers are, the consumers as well, doesn't matter, but to the products that we used in our journey. Interesting. You are touching also on the point of the reusability of the data product. Like we built it for one use case and then um, somebody else uh, saw that it could serve their needs and they are maybe requesting some adjustment or like some uh, adaption and additional uh, data for their use case. In that case, um, in the incentives uh, would be or like the metrics for the data product could play a, no or a role to motivate this. Like as a data product owner, for example, or data product manager, uh, how I am um, incentivized to actually deliver more than more use cases because I will also maybe have limited resources for that. So how are you dealing with it? Do you have any experiences, Ule or uh, Freni? Oh, yes. Uh, so uh, as, as we started the, the, the conversation today, uh, there is never one good solution for anything, right? So there are different options. Um, depends, right? But obviously we, we can share. So we can share if we see that, uh, somebody else really needs something which should be done by us, but we don't have resources. We cannot prioritize. One of the option is to ask this team if they have resources to allocate their work, to prepare that. And then we take the ownership. That's how we can deal with um, lack of the resources, lack of the time, but still we we are good with the principle of data products that the owner um, the ownership stays within the team and the maintenance of data product as as we want it. But in general, the value it's it's super 
difficult topic should be done probably uh, not bottom up but top down so that the domains within the company should be prioritized according to the type of a domain is it like supportive or core domain and then obviously the data products the building data products would be much more easier because we would know which data products support which use cases which domain and which domain is prioritized then also prioritization for data products will be faster and easier but another topic we, I, no, I'm not sure we have time. Yeah, I think like defining the value of the data products is criminally underrated. Like it's a topic that can be like the most uh, controversial topic about um, f or for the uh, data product managers. So uh, I think um, I can ask you maybe as one last question to wrap up. Like, do you have anyone, uh, anything to add that you would like to share as a wrap up uh, that you close? Because today we touched on many different points about data product discovery. You talked about also data catalogs and um, their role in the um, data product discovery. So how you would like to close up with? Maybe we can start with Rap Franny. Yeah, I go first. So I think I wrapped up the other episode that I have at Datamish Radio, same thing, but it's so important. Use product mindset, use the product people in the data product world. As it's not working the other way around. I know data people are so smart, are so top-notch, they are like top of the world, but if they do not have the concept of the product, if, if anyone on the team does not understand product concept, then it's just running in the circle. So um, either train them to have the product knowledge and product mindset or use the product people to come in, learn a little bit of the data, and then ask them to just run a little bit of that product management, like data product management discovery and um, like the rest of the process development process, only because when we um, see or trying to use, to uh, trying to see data as a product, we really need to understand the product minds. And I cannot emphasize that enough. Anything to add, uh, Ule? Yeah, as a, <clears throat> as a wrap up, um, I would like to mention uh, that uh, I, in a previous position, managed to create a data product of, uh, it was a 3D uh, scanning of uh, human, uh, uh, human body parts that was very useful for the company I worked in. I, I won't mention the company name, but we actually managed to create a data product or ignite the process of creating a data product and I know that it has been created um, that was capable of saving this company buying that very same data from an external vendor that at some point in time had managed to get it out of our company and now selling it again so that's a very easy way to 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 monetize what a data product actually represents in terms of value and uh, that was quite um quite eye-opening eye to see but the problem of it was that there was so much technical uncertainty in in some of the legacy parts of the pipelines running through that work workflow that that we were simply unable to decide whether or not we could do it um but it, it anyway it, it it ended happily as far as i know and 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 that was something that was quite amazing to see like real actual money value of an internal data product uh, being harvested. 
that was quite fantastic. Yeah, maybe we should do the data products shoppable, like uh, so that people need to go to and uh, buy those data products, so that we need to make attractive products to monetize. <laughs> and Marta, last verse from you to wrap up. Last sentence, maybe because of the fact that we we had this panel about discoverability, and we had a lot of still not finished topics and more probably questions and answers. I guess this is still very important, uh, what we mean by discoverability of data product, how we really can implement that. And I think it's it's, it's not finished topic, right? We, we didn't answer all of the questions and I guess it's, it's the follow-ups are needed internally or externally or within the people, right? Definitely. So uh, maybe as a report from my side, um, I think um, we when, when we talk about the discoverability, we need to also answer or maybe emphasize again with the customer, not just from the technical side. I think we can talk about that also for hours, but what, how they can discover, like if it's a Google or search or experience, how they would maybe search for it to understand that. And um, taking a user-centric approach also here can truly transform the, the way that we shape and discover data products. I think this is also from my side um, one thing to wrap up. So I would like to thank to you all uh, for your valuable insights. I learned a lot and I really enjoyed it. I hope everyone also enjoyed it as I did. So thank you so much for listening as well. I'd again like to thank our participants today, our wonderful facilitator. Ajim Biek, who's a, the lead business analyst and data product consultant at ThoughtWorks, as well as our guests, Martha Debska-Barsinska, who's an enterprise architect at Roche, Franny Helferush, who's a data and technical product manager at RBC Global Asset Management, and Ole Olison bagnu who's the chief evangelist at Zenea, as well as the author of the Enterprise Data Catalog book by O'Reilly. You can find a link to their LinkedIn's and Ole's book in the show notes as per usual. Thank you. Panels really are my favorite. And no, it's not just because I don't have to do the hard work. I, I swear, they give you a chance to hear from folks entirely devoid of my own views, which I think is crucial in our learning journey to figure out how to do data mesh well. Hopefully this one was super useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show almost all guests have said that they'd really love people to reach out. Data Mesh Radio is again provided by Data Mesh Understanding and is produced and usually hosted by, you know, except for these panels, by me, Scott Herleman. Do check out our website, datameshunderstanding.com for more information. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by our offerings and some of the free programs out there. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And with that, let's hear that funky outro music. Mm -hmm.